Well, hello there. I'm Jim Harrington, and it's another day. And I am Bill Knight. Happy Friday. It's the day after Turkey Day, otherwise known as Black Friday. It is the weekend edition of the show. Boy, that was a lot to uh, put out there. And will anybody remember this by the time I shut up? Do you realize that the Black Friday... Black Friday. <laughs> well, you know, most of them are. They're little, don't, little things. Don't get day. me started. <laughs> Black Friday isn't you know what... They, they fly around. But... <laughs> Politicians. Uh, stop it. <laughs> all right. Black Friday isn't what it used to be. They used to be all night long, these sales, Black Friday mm -hmm. sales. I mean, my daughter used to go out with her daughter, my granddaughter, at like 11 o'clock at night, and they would shop all night long for the sales. They were all, But now they, they don't do that. drag you along to it? Oh, no, no, no. I, I was way, way. Oh. Well, no, I slowed them down. You kidding me? I was like the boat anchor. You don't. If you're doing a, a, a speedboat race, you don't throw the anchor out. And I was the anchor. Well, you know, now I remember that uh, after doing Thanksgiving dinner, well, let's, let's go out and get a paper. Mm -hmm. So we would go out and go to several stores to get the, the, the Thanksgiving Black Friday paper with all the ads in it. Yes. You know, because, oh, you got to go look at the ads. So oh, yeah. Where to go. Yeah. And then sometimes because there were coupons in there, well, you didn't want to get one paper. How many papers are there? Well, there's only five left. We'll take them all. You know, and, uh, you know, you take all the papers and then you go back to the house and make a mess out of the living room floor, <laughs> getting all the coupons and everything there. And then, boom, then you go out shopping at midnight. And I'm going, why the hell did I put myself through this nonsense? Because you're a good guy and you were just, you want to do a be a part of their life. You just wanted That's to be debatable. there for them. The good guy thing is debatable. <laughs> And we're not even going to go there. <laughs> but I, my daughter, she, yesterday, she went out and she got the paper. She was out. Yeah. Like when I talked to her earlier, she just got back from the, getting the paper. They still get the ads. But I guess the stores don't do the all-night thing any, anymore because uh, the pandemic changed a lot. And also online purchasing, online sales like Amazon and Walmart. They, they've well, a cut, lot of the stores, into it. yeah, they were doing pre-Black Friday deals. And that's how they can measure inventory that they need to have for Christmas. You were kind of the gauge of what they got to have or what they can't get. So, you mm -hmm. know, you're, you're, you're sometimes better off just getting the pre Thanksgiving deals because they're going to be the black Friday deals anyway, while they last. See where, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, a few interesting little tidbits to pass along. Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, she was allowed to have a vegan Thanksgiving meal and to play, kickball in the courtyard. Now she's living in a, uh, a, a, what do they call it? A minimal, uh, security minimal security. Yeah. And, uh, she is spending her time. She had a <laughs> tofurkey. I guess that's, uh, that's yeah, like a to turkey made yeah, of tofu. tofu. Yeah. Yeah. A tofurkey. And she had, uh, vegetables and she had sweet potato and she had, uh, cranberry sauce and mac and cheese rolls she had uh, fruit. She had sweet potato pie, uh, a slew of desserts. Sounds like she had a heck of a, di heck well, of a dinner. Well, I was just going to say, how do I, what do I have to do to get into that resort? I don't know. This is FCI. Uh, I think they're in Tallahassee. 
FCI oh, Tallahassee. You know what? That is a resort. Yeah, that's the white collar crime place. Is it? You no, know, because you got to lock somebody up, but you can't sit there and take away all their privileges. Oh no, 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 oh, absolutely. No, no. I mean, what yeah, she uh, she was only arrested for uh, child sex trafficking. So I mean, you oh, have yeah. to have some you know flexibility. Yeah. Uh, she's said to be released in 2037. If she keeps eating like they're feeding her, she'll be uh, uh, she'll look differently in 2037. Uh, Will she care? I mean, well, you know, they they do keep they have a lot of physical activities. Uh, polo, polo mm. on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'll bet you they do. I would think that she's probably thinking that she's going to be able to work a deal and get out sooner, because there are a lot of names that she can drop. And I think they, a judge just said he wants to see some of those names released to the public last week. And there are a lot of people who have spent time at Jeffrey Epstein's island who are very nervous right now. Well, you know, if I were her, I'd probably drop the names to get even. Mm -hmm. But I'd sit there and say, no, I've been bad. I need to stay in here because yeah. <laughs> if she gets out, yeah, those know. names and associates of those names that she will be dropping, her health might not be looking yeah. too good. Mike Lindell, he's uh, challenging uh, Rona McDaniel for the RNC chairmanship. He said she's done a lousy job. He can do a better job. So uh, the My Pillow guy, he's uh, put his hat in the ring to be the head of the Republican National Committee. Hmm. Do you think he'll? Do you think he's got a chance? Well, I to think be he's, honest. Well, you know, for one thing, everybody who's on the the board will get free pillows. And, sli yeah, and, and slippers. slippers. And slippers, yes. Oh, well, that's the deal clincher <laughs> and sheets, right there. And sheets, too, you know. Uh, in all honesty, he I think he'd do a great job. I well, think I he'd think do he a wonderful would too. job. I mean, at least, you know, he sits there. He's kind of like me. He'll take his, a question and then pontificate over it. No. For hours on end. No, no, not me. But uh, he would. The thing is, though, he built a multi-million dollar business. Some people may say it's a billion dollar business. And he did it from scratch. And I would think that uh, the RNC, in, to a certain extent, is like isn't a business. He the, isn't he the poster child of what America is all about? Oh, yeah. You come from nothing and become something. And he's got a story. Oh, yeah. Whether you want to tell it in church or in public, the simple fact was... He hit rock bottom with his life. Oh yeah, drugs, big time. Yeah, he was he was the the big boy in that. And then he sat there and said, "You know what?" He looked around him and realized that 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 high of promises got yep. him nothing. So he decided to do something. And you might go pillows, slippers. Come on now. Well, you look at his bank account and, yeah, and you look right. at yours. He. Pillows he, it is. <laughs> he was uh, into cocaine big time, had terrible, mm -hmm. terrible addiction, and he credits his turnaround to God and to Jesus. And he uh, he gave his life to God, and uh, it, he looks around right now, and he says, all oh, this is because of that relationship. Every commercial you see him do, he has a little pendant cross mm -hmm. on his shirt, and that's intentional. That's not there because he forgot to take it off. He, you know, he's very, very it's proud. A yeah. And to remind not only him, but you of where he came but from. But I think he'd be a great chairman of the RNC. I think he would make it uh, a much more fair system, and I think he'd be successful. So, Mike, you got a thumbs up from Jim. Absolutely. And I'll give you one, too. Two thumbs up. Now, 
Here's a guy who's not getting a lot of thumbs up. Uh, 62% of Republicans want Mitch McConnell replaced as the Senate GOP leader. Republican voters don't want Mitch McConnell as the GOP Senate leader anymore. A poll from Rasmussen found that 62% of Republican voters don't want McConnell as Senate GOP leader. That number rises to 66% among self-identified conservative voters. Now, McConnell's got, what, four more years left, right? Um, I believe so, yeah, yeah. So would he, if he, if he takes, if they take any, you know, ranking mm-hmm. authority from him, uh, will he stay or will he say, time to pack it up and go? I think he's having too much fun messing up uh, everything. He is not uh, somebody who can be relied on. A lot of people will tell you that, he didn't support key candidates in this midterm election. Uh, General Bolduck up in New Hampshire, he, he, McConnell withdrew his funds. He didn't back a lot of the key candidates in Alaska. Then that was purposeful too. And Absolutely. you know what? He didn't he didn't do well in the fundraising department. Now, obviously, the Democrats had a lot of they had a lot of dark help, but. Mitch, old boy, he didn't hey. do anything to. He, I don't know that he has the savvy anymore to. He criticized the Republican candidates on whole before everything even started to fly, you know, during the campaign season. He was not a very reliable and supportive GOP leader. Trust me. No, he wasn't. So it, I think it's time for him to go, but four more years of Mitch is ooh, four ooh. more years of a bad diet. Ooh. You know, I, I also, I, I go back to Kevin McCarthy I I think about what he did to Donald Trump uh, on January sixth, where he he literally uh, turned his back on Trump and and stabbed him in the back. Uh, he said that he didn't think you know he thought that Trump well, should resign immediately. Trump had two more weeks left before he was leaving office, and he was making he was showboating. He was showboating and and criticizing Trump. And then after the whole thing is over and Trump's down in Mar-a-Lago. Well, a few weeks later, he go, you see he goes down to visit President Trump. I'm surprised they let him in Mar-a-Lago. I would have locked him out of the front gate. Well, that's that's the difference between you, me, and Trump. I mean, he will sit there because he realizes, hey, sooner or later we, we're going to have to meet again. You don't know who. Right. You, you don't burn any bridge, even though that bridge might have been very bad to you. So, you know, you got to give Trump that credit. You know, he, yeah. he'll at least give you the voice. Kevin... You know, he's got to make amends, but I, can he make amends? It might be time for Kevin just to step back and say, I'm going to do the job that I have, and I'll earn your privilege again, because he hasn't earned it yet. Yesterday, of course, Thanksgiving, and Joy Reid had some comments. Joy Reid, oh, uh, she's she's on MSNBC, in case you don't follow her show. Uh, she is a constant complainer. <laughs> you know, they, they, they tell him. They tell everybody, well, she went to Harvard. She graduated from Harvard. Oh, isn't that special? In my experience, very few Harvard graduates have been totally exceptional. I do know a couple who have been exceptional. I take that back. I can think of a a conservative businessman in Pittsburgh who went to Harvard that I know that has been very successful. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, whether his success would have happened anyway is, uh, you know, another thing to think about because he, That's a whole different topic yeah. and it'd be a fun show to do. You know, do you need the Harvard degree? No, 
any degree, or do you oh, just no. need knowledge? If can, you, can you apprentice and be something great? Can you be a chemist by apprenticing? How many great, to, how many great uh, achievers out there didn't go to college? A ton of them. I can think of. You know, I don't. I think I don't even know whether Mike Lindell graduated from college. We we're just talking about Mike Lindell. A lot mm-hmm. of these people, they're just smart people, and some people don't want to waste those four years. They want to hit the ground running before. You know, they're they're getting out of high school and they just want to get out there and start proving themselves. For every example of a person that went to a university and got a degree and uh, became a success, and not all of them do. I can show you at least two people that didn't go to a university, didn't get a degree, and was a success. You know, it really falls on you and your drive and what you want to do and uh, hey, your intuitiveness. I got my college degree when I, when, when I was 56, 58 years old. Mm-hmm. I had already had my career. Career? I sound career. like I'm in Boston. What am I saying? Yeah. I had already had my career. You see, I, I, every, every so often, I slip into my New England mode. I just, this is a casual a show, folks. Have you today's show is a casual show to be as we're I'm in my pajamas, yeah, by the way. Yeah, and I was going right. to talk to you about that, but that's another, yeah. that, that's something else for another time. But anyway, getting back to what we were talking about, Joy Reid, uh, she's talking about Thanksgiving, and instead, mm. instead of saying nice things like. Uh, we have a lot to be thankful for. It's a great country. Uh, we uh, all the good people who gave their all so that we can enjoy our Thanksgiving dinner today. No, 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 not Joy Reid. Listen, Thanksgiving, the day we gather with friends and family to enjoy turkey stuffing, mashed potatoes, and pumpkin pie. We throw on the game, catch up on our lives, and then discuss, or quite possibly argue, about religion and politics. For millions of Americans, it's a day of cherished traditions. And as Americans, we certainly value those traditions. But it's also important to unpack the myth of Thanksgiving. It is a holiday riddled with historical inaccuracies, built on this myth that the indigenous welcomed their colonizers with open arms and ears of corn, a simplistic fairy tale interpretation of a 1621 encounter between indigenous tribes and English settlers that erases the genocide that followed. It's the truth Republicans want banned from our textbooks. Because here's the secret they want so desperately to keep. We are a country founded on violence. What a maroon, as Bugs Bunny would say. What a maroon. Let me tell you something. First of all, she doesn't really know history. She's she's just repeating the history that the liberals have been pouring into her, her brain. She talks about the, what did she, how did she put it? Uh, the genocide was it that would to uh, there were terrible battles and there were tragedies that happened mm-hmm. in in those times. Yes, I I know that on both sides, by the way, on both sides. Yeah. Meaning, it wasn't always the colonists who were causing the problem all the time. Many times it was the Indian tribes, the indigenous people, who were raiding. I hate looting. that word indigenous because that means I know. Like a salamander, it came to well, life here. Well, you're right, Bill. Indigenous it makes it sound like they originated here. When in no. in reality, in reality, a lot of people will tell you that the Bering Strait once was a landmass. Right, and they walked across yes, from Asia. Now maybe from maybe their ancestors gave birth to them there or here. Yes, and so that makes them indigenous. But then, by that standard, if you go by you're the indigenous. standard that is there. 
Yeah. You are indigenous. I am yeah. indigenous. And so is everybody most likely listening indigenous. So, Miss Reed, take that and shove it up your Why toothpaste. In the, you don't know damn thing. Why do we have to constantly divide people up into in these groups nowadays? We don't. But no, they do. The liberals have to. Because they're in, they're, it's power. In, they're indigenous, and they're a minority, and they're this, and they're that. Now, if I said I'm, I'm a white Irish guy, is that a group too? I mean, should we now have a group of white Irish guys? Should we have a, every, should every segment of our society be m- trivialized and minimized into these small little groups of people? Well, you know, it's all about colonization. Countries, when they outgrow what they have, their resources, they they move forward and conquer and take over. One of the rules that if you want to conquer someone or something, yeah. you divide and conquer. Yes. So if you want to if you want to control a people, you know you have to divide them. So we have blacks, we have whites, we have we have uh, Hispanic people, we have Asian people. We've, we've divided all the races. What else can we divide? Now, oh, let's do some pronouns now. And uh, we have, you know, him, he, she, her. Uh, Didn't you he, say she. that you went to the doctor's office and they asked you what your pronouns were? Oh, yeah, they, they do. How do you identify? Uh, I identify as Bill. Well, yeah, but how do you identify? Yeah. Bill Knight. What is your pronoun? I'm going, uh, Mr. Bill Knight. <laughs> yeah. And then they're going, well, are you a, are you a he, him, uh, a he, she? And I sat there and I said, and I leaned forward and I looked right into their eyes and I sat there and said, you know, I'm not going to play this game with yeah. you. Um, I am Bill good Knight. Good for you. And that is all you need to know. Then the left wonders why the black vote is going more and more conservative. Uh, why the Latinos are voting in a, a larger group than ever before uh, as conservatives, as Republicans. People, when they get a little, when they get the information, they get the knowledge, they realize they've been, they've been hosed, well, you know? Well, you know, you, you listen to a politician. Well, there's systemic racism. And you know what? You're absolutely right. There is systemic racism against black people, against Hispanic people, against Asian people, yep. and by God, against white people, too. It is the politicians that are the racist because they want to divide us, the real indigenous people of these here United States, and that includes Native Americans, uh, black, white, you know, whatever your racial orientation is. We, we were born here. But our ancestors. I hear people saying on the left all the time, uh, the southern border, uh, these people just want to start a new life and stuff, and they really should be allowed to come across at will. That's crap. <laughs> sorry, mm-hmm. for, sorry to use the word. I know it's the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't mean to be uh, rude, but it, it is nonsense. What they don't tell you, by the way, is the tens of thousands of people who are dying on the journey. There are people who are dying in Mexico. Uh, coming across deserts to the border and they're dying because the left is encouraging them to come. Come Mm -hmm. on, come on, come on. So people who are, are, they're not prepared. 
They come across, they haven't got their food, they're being bitten by snakes, they have disease, they're dying from heat exhaustion, uh, and you don't hear a thing about it. But ask any Border Patrol person, they'll tell you they find bodies out there all the time. Well, let me ask you this. How many illegals do you think are in the United States now? Uh, President Trump said, forget the figures you're hearing. You're hearing like two and a half million, five million. President Trump said it's probably 10 plus, 10 million plus already. All right. So right there, if we got 320 million people, we got damn near, let's just say it's 20 million people. Yeah. Well, what is that? Seven or 8% of our uh, population is illegals. And if they're growing it by the number that they're doing, it won't be too many years, maybe three or four I mean, years. Probably it's the size of Boston and, New- and Philadelphia. Boston right, and Philadelphia. What happens when the illegals hit a number of 80, 100 million, and they are a third or half of our population? They have no and- jobs for the most part. They're getting benefits. They're getting benefits just by being here. They're giving them millions of dollars just by being here. It's costing well, money to. It's costing money to fly them to different cities. They're being fed. They're being clothed. Well, we are a breadbasket with all of our lands that we have and the farmlands, but we also have national parks and stuff. And they always say Republicans want to destroy it so that they can have the resources. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not worried about the Republicans destroying it. I'm worried about us going. Well, we got to have the land to house them, so let's get rid of Yellowstone. Let's get rid of so and so because we have to put cities and and whatnot. They, what do you do with the what do you do with the bears and the bison? That's that's another problem. Well, the uh, bears and the bison. Now, there's your real indigenous species yes. to the land. They were here before any of us. People may laugh at a comment like that, but I I I direct them towards the streets of L.A., the streets of New York, that are, are overrun with uh, illegals and homeless people uh, who are just left there. To their own device, do your own thing. They they're given very little except space, and this is happening in democratically run cities. If you go to a Republican run city, you don't see this. But boy, you take a city like L.A. and L.A. L.A. Uh, it was a classy city. I mean, it's a, a vibrant city. It was a, a very alive city. Now. There are many, many big uh, mainstream streets in L.A. that you can't walk down anymore because they're covered with tents and homeless uh, shelters, you know? Um, mm-hmm. it, it's uh, it's sad. It's not what it used to be. And, I, you know, I grew up in California. I remember I grew up in the San Joaquin Valley in Fresno. and and But, you know, you get to L.A. and, you know, the dream was, oh, I'm going to go from, you know, station here in Fresno. Yeah. I'm going to go to L.A. Because then you could get, you know, voice work and acting and whatnot. But that didn't work out that way. I moved south. But, you know, when I've gone back to visit in recent years, it's not the same. You know, it's not even warmed over coffee. It's worse. They can't shoot a lot of uh, the TV shows in certain areas of L.A. now. Places Mm -hmm. that they used to do a lot of street scenes and stuff like that have been taken over by the homeless people. And so they're, they have to make these adjustments to, uh, to move to other areas. Can't move them. I mean, how many lawsuits are going to be filed against you? How much paperwork just to move one tent? Let me, so. let me ask you a question. Let's say a Republican gets into office and decides to uh, move the homeless people to a planned location, uh, uh, maybe an old 
college dorm or something like that and give them a place to a real place to stay and, or maybe give them uh, medical attention that many of them do need a lot of these people are veterans we're treating invaders to our country with more respect and love than we're treating some of our veterans who are uh, homeless and on the street that makes me sick you know, there's abandoned, uh, and not only in, in out in California, out west, but all over the country, there are abandoned cities that have just gone the way, you know, the, the bye-bye. But why can't we go into those abandoned areas where they were once life thrived and maybe go put in some money there to put temporary housing, put them there, and, you know, give them an opportunity to rebuild their lives. Of them, yeah. Rebuild their lives. You know, there are a lot of places out west that come to mind. There are some places in the Midwest that come to mind. You know, there was once a vacation resort. Now that's a joke. The the Great Salt Lake out there used to see the people floating on the water. Well, now it's, I think the water, it could be cleaned up. It's dry. The water's gone. I think. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, the, the, the concrete remnants of the city, yeah. you know, are, are there. And, and there are homeless people there. But I'm like going, well, you know, we throw away so many millions if not trillions of dollars how about Let's if we took them how about it? if we took the money we threw away in the ukraine and put it towards our homeless problem in the united states do you think we might have some results yeah, build resurrection cities and yeah. put our people that and need give, a place and give serious there. serious medical care and attention uh give it to these people you know uh, uh do you, do you think Create. i i mean i can't help but think that a lot of these people would love the chance to get back on their feet if only they could create have industry go in there and say hey we're going to build a factory yeah you know it'll be a small factory we're going to come in and teach you a skill we're going to pay you and we're going to pay you so they boy all of a sudden you know wouldn't they be proud to sit there and go i made this right and the company sold it and look you see that food truck coming in it's going hey, to our Bill, new grocery store what if you there. encourage businesses in like apple or right. gm to build these little mini factories, right where maybe not the most key things are we made. We just came across a political idea. That's you know a that, heck of a good it? idea. Uh, have a, a mini city of where big corporations can build small factories to get the homeless people back into the system, so they can learn their skills, get their pride back, and maybe move on to bigger and better things yeah. again. Give them all the essentials that they need. And, you know, I've always sat there and I said, you know, we should we should learn how to pass down. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you take something, you feel you feel blessed about something. Then you go and you find somebody that's of need and you pass down something. Absolutely. And that person that just got something that they needed, they find somebody. There's always somebody a little bit less fortunate than you. Than you. Absolutely. I know them. And you pass down and you pass down and you pass down. And pretty soon... It's it's biblical. What a you story know, you're that helping would be! Your brother. What a story that would be if if we could build these little cities, where uh, where people could get a second chance, second mm -hmm. chance cities where people who are on the street and have nothing, who are living in the same clothes that they've been sleeping in for the past six months, you know, who are who are pushing all of their belongings in a shopping cart. 
Come on. All of a sudden, you turn around to somebody and say, look, we're going to help you medically so that you become less dependent on on the drugs and maybe wean you from them altogether. We're going to clean you up. We're going to check you out medically so you're you're physically okay and you're you're not – you haven't got sores from being on the street and on the concrete. We're going to give you a real bed to sleep in. We're going to give you a job, and you're going to learn a skill, and maybe you're going to go on to bigger and better things. You're going to get your self-esteem back. Yeah, and when you have that little city, all of a sudden, you have a voice. Yes. And now we have to prevent crime from going in and taking it over. But you know what? We can put the, put the watchdogs in yeah. and lift them once that they are on their feet and going. The word would spread, and people that were hurting would want to get into these cities. You can have real police, and you can have some of these people who are rebuilding their lives who are at a certain stage they can be interns to the real police. You know, they can learn that skill too. There's so many things that could come from projects like this. These are the projects you're not hearing about, friends. These are the projects that people in in pub in, uh, in politics. Excuse me, I'm getting so excited. In politics, aren't talking about. We should be no. diverting all of this money from these war-torn areas and foreign countries that we have no uh, right being in. And put them into our own country. Think about this now. Let's say that you have a place that we just described in your district, somewhere around that you could do like that. Wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that kind of help your political base? Oh, absolutely. You know, because these people would sit there and go, Senator so-and-so did this for us. And that doesn't mean you have to be beholden to them. You don't. You but. can you can put these these uh, second chance cities. You can put them outside of the cities that have the problem. Like San Francisco has a bad problem, so you find uh, an area outside of San Francisco that is rural. Maybe it has the already has the infrastructure in place, like we talked about an abandoned an abandoned city or a city that's gone way down in population. Well, one politician that we know that claimed all the benefits of a city that he didn't uh, do, it's 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 uh, war-torn Beirut, but uh, that would be Braddock. It's got all the infrastructure Awful. there, buildings that could be re, uh, repurposed. You know, yeah. you can actually, yeah, you know, you can, you can repurpose and re, rejuvenate and rebirth this town. You can find, and there would be pieces of real estate there that you can get dirt cheap now. Now, I'm not saying for investors go in and rape the land, but uh, which is what happens. Right. You know, Braddock at one time or somewhere down the road, some developer will go, there's nowhere else to move in Pittsburgh. Well, let's go buy up these things for penny on the do- pennies on the dollar, and we'll, we'll, make, we'll rebirth the town for the wealthy. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not do that. Let's go ahead it would, and take this, these- this would have to be very well structured, Bill, this, this, these second-chance cities. They would have to have a lot of rules and regulations so that you don't have these parasites coming in to uh, mess up the situation. And- well, the second-chance cities would have to sit there and be either right there in the suburbs of a major city that has a problem, or, like I said, there are some distant towns that have just gone away. Yeah. But the structure is still there. The infrastructure is still there and can be built upon and rejuvenated. Now, somebody might go, oh, well, that's just basically building a new city. Well, you know what? You're going to have to do some stuff and innovative stuff. You know when we had the uh, uh, the Gulf War mm-hmm. and all the wells were set afire and everyone said, 
you know, there's no way we're going to put out all those fires. And then somebody, a, a wildcat firefighter from Texas sat there and said, you know what, I'm going to come in and rethink everything and reinvent how we do this. And yeah. he did. And they were gone like that. Necessity is the mother of invention. And one thing we've always had in America is ingenuity at, in time of need. Yeah. It's time of need. Let's anyway, uh, we could go. Do we it. could we could talk about this yeah, all it. night, uh, all day idea. long. Not a weird idea. It's a good idea, though. Yeah, it is a good Somebody idea. You should take it and run with it. If there's a politician out there listening and you think it's a good idea, go with it. You know, yeah. we'll we'll support you. Yeah. Uh, Freebie for you. I came across something over the weekend. I got to play it for you. It's a uh, uh, it's kind of long, so we that's why we have to kind of right. move along. But it's really worth listening to. Um, there's a guy. His name is. His name is Aman Jabi, A-M-A-N-J-A-B-B-I. He's a native of India, an engineer. He worked in Silicon Valley for 28 years. He was a co-inventor of two cell phone camera apps. He emigrated to the U.S. in 1988. He admired America's culture of liberty and ingenuity. He now lives in Big Fork, Montana. You're saying, wait a second, he was in Silicon Valley, now he lives out in Big Fork, Montana. Can it mm -hmm. get any more rural? There's a reason why he's moved out to Big Fork, Montana, this this uh, smart man. Uh, and you're going to hear uh, uh, some clips. I would suggest that you go, I think we're going to post the link, Bill. Is that going to be something we can do? Yeah, we can do that. We're going to post the link to the article and to the entire one hour and 20 minute interview that he has uh, online. It's so worth listening to because you're going to realize there's a lot more going on in our world than we know about. We're only seeing the surface. Let me play the first segment. This is part one, Amin Jabi being interviewed by, I think her name is Mary Z. She does a podcast in Australia. Very uh, intelligent young woman. And it was really worth listening to this, uh, this interview. Here's part one. So they, they give us the carrots, right? If you go back 20, 25 years, uh, consumer electronics, computers, cell phones, and other gadgets, uh, video games, they're all kind of subsidized, you know, very low cost so that they are able to permeate every corner of society. So like even, you know, people who are not very well off, they have all these gadgets. So they're sold to us as the carrots. And it's for convenience, and it's also for safety and security. Right. And it's to catch the bad guys. And, you know, as a society, we tend to kind of accept all the carrots. But by the end of the presentation or even halfway through it, you'll see how the sticks are coming if we don't watch out. And they've already started and most people are, you know, they don't know what's coming. Mm. Okay. So if you go to China, Big Brother has already met Big Data. Right. They already have facial recognition, uh, which is connected to social credit scoring, and that directly lends itself to a control system. And they've already announced it in China for many years. Uh, I was in Shenzhen, China in 2019, three years ago for an optical conference. And every corner you go, intersections, streets, buildings, indoors, outdoors are just littered with cameras. And there are screens everywhere, and they are telling you that we are watching you. And you know we are watching you, and you will be okay with us watching you all the time. And so people have become very compliant in China, right? And so 
you can then control the social credit system. It's like a feedback system on how people behave. And this is how compliance has been achieved in China. Now, they're already doing this in, in, in the Western countries. It's just that they haven't told us yet. So our social scoring has already started. Our carbon tracking has already started. Uh, I was in India recently, and when I got my receipt from United Airlines, it had a carbon dioxide, a carbon footprint of 3.3 tons each way on the receipt. So Yes, the conditioning's so, already started, and we're talking here in Australia about banks starting to notify you about your carbon footprint on your transactions. So that conditioning, you're absolutely right. We're already in that system. That's right. Right, so the, but the narrative in the Western media is that, you know, privacy and freedom have gone in China, right? And the social credit system is a control system in China, and implicitly we in the West are free. But that's really not the case. Um, but the narrative is there, and it gives people the illusion that all the surveillance being put up in our cities and our towns in the Western countries is for security and safety of the people. But what is not to, said is that per capita cameras in America are greater than in China. We have 50 million tethered surveillance cameras in the United States connected to the internet and therefore to AI. And by 2025, $2 trillion would have been spent on cameras and the surveillance infrastructure of smart cities. Right? London is ranked number three in the world in terms of number of cameras per thousand people. Right, so the infrastructure is in place and is expanding. So if people, you know, look up and they keep their, you know, wits about them and go out in your towns and cities, you'll see more and more surveillance infrastructure being set up and it will all be sold on the pretext of safety and security of the people. I didn't so know London was ranked number three. That's very interesting. That's right. And uh, it, it, New Delhi, India is ranked number one in terms of cameras per square mile. Wow. So there are well over half a million cameras in the city of Delhi. Uh, so just think about that. I mean, we have cameras everywhere nowadays, everywhere. Yeah. He says, the, he says something interesting. Uh, I think it's coming up in the next piece, but you can listen for it. He talked about uh, that when we were doing going through the pandemic, is when they were putting a lot of these cameras in place, when we were all locked away in our houses, when we when we had our heads filled, he calls it, with, with pandemic porn. While that was mm -hmm. happening, they were stringing these new systems and these new uh, cameras. You're going to hear him talking about LED light systems that can be used as weapons? Weapons, and they can be, well, you know what? You can not only use them as weapons, LED lights can you be used for mind control? Oh, you know, I, so that's I think I think that's when he says weapons. I think he's he means it that way, not that it's you know you're going to burn up or something like that. But he no no. You may have seen a lot of our old uh, halogen street lights that were nice soft. They're gone. They're gone, and we have these LED bright bright lights out there now. You see them on the highways and stuff like that, and they're put in they're put in place for multiple reasons. He says that many of them have docking stations for drones built into the uh, to the top well, that, of the units. That's easy to put into it. And yeah, you could have that in there. You could have LED uh, cameras that are in there. By the way, you know, the, uh, one of the big things now is, you know, oh, you got to get a 4K TV. You know, they have a uh, resolution up to 8K, but it's the new LED uh, technology televisions. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, 
You've got it in your home. You've got it in your oh, wait, Alexa. You've got it in your house, Jim, because hey, you've got cameras, security cameras that use Bluetooth or yeah. uh, Wi-Fi. Yeah. I also have uh, an Apple Watch. Yeah. He, he said that's the worst thing. Yeah, worst and those, that technology can find your technology and hone in on it. So you're spy. You're setting up the device to spy on yourself. Privacy is a thing of the past. Essentially, privacy is a thing of the past. You are not alone. Yep. Here's part two of his uh, interview. Uh, So while the world was sleeping, when COVID was announced and people were locked down and the fear porn was, you know, blaring in every, uh, you know, television set and people were quarantining, they were installing cameras and surveillance infrastructure. A report that came out earlier this year, by end of 2022, there will be 1 billion surveillance cameras tethered and connected to the internet in the world. And if you take mobile cameras and other cameras, that's greater than 20 billion data collection cameras in the world. So that is the kind of surveillance that is being uh, you know, unrolled onto the world. And this is by the end of 2022. So these these are not for uh, you know us. This is not just to catch the bad guys. This is much worse than surveillance. This is data collection. That means everything you do will be logged and uh, tracked and analyzed, and then it'll be used as a feedback loop to change your behavior and compliance. And this is so think about fe- that being fed back to an AI machine that's already been programmed, as you said, with that feedback loop to change your behavior. So so it, it is already, I mean, everything's already been programmed into this AI to be able to- And continue, it's, it's been programmed and continuous, continually being improved. Yes. So basically what we have is, you know, eyes in the sky and eyes everywhere. Eventually, we, it's already started, but it's going to be permanent once uh, they, they will be tracking your eye movements continuously when you're in front of a cell phone or you're in front of a computer. They already do that many apps. Yes. That's going to become prevalent. Right. So in the old days, what was surveillance? A bunch of cameras around the city and there'd be people sitting and watching these LCD screens or LED screens for, you know, thieves and all. But And so human eyeballs are gone. Now, no humans are necessary. All the monitoring will be done by smart artificial intelligence security guards that are watching us at every moment. And so you're being, you know, literally, uh, they're listening in, they're watching, they're analyzing, they're logging, they're learning, and then it repeats the cycle. I have a question, Aman. So, you mentioned you mentioned uh, sort of 20 billion devices around the world. Are all of these devices also listening? Uh, if they have a microphone. Chances are they are listening. Like your cell phone is listening. Of course. Like the Zoom call is not only listening, it's recording, analyzing our discussion. And we are being scored by AI as we speak. And since I'm talking to you and you're talking to me, our social credit score is being uh, reduced in real time as we speak. So, so when are we not alone? Pretty much never, right? And if you have devices in your house, uh, you know, such as ring cameras and all, those are all tracking devices. But let me introduce to you a a term called the Panopticon, which is a kind of a circular prison. And this is a picture from uh, 
Rhode Island, one of the states in the United States of America, uh, back from the late 20s. And this is a circular prison where the guards are in the middle and they can watch pretty much all the activity going on in each prison. So all the prisoners know that the guards can watch them at any time. Uh, where we are living is in a digital panopticon, right? And instead of our, there being security guards, there's computer vision, cameras with computer vision and artificial intelligence. So everyone is being monitored everywhere all the time. And so this has been put in place already. He was showing a picture of an octagon prison in Rhode Island at the ACI in Cranston, Rhode Island. It's essentially, it's eight, eight, uh, eight different uh, shapes, like a circle, you know, and mm-hmm. the guards are in the center of the circle and they can look into every single cell on every single level uh, of the prison. It was built back in the 1920s, I believe. And he was saying that we're living now in a digital octagon prison where right. they can look into all of our lives. And it's not being viewed, Bill, by a person. I kept thinking, if you have a billion cameras, who's watching no, these things? No. It's a machine. You know, they need to name the machine. We'll call it Mother. Yeah. Because Mother reacts to everything that you do. And it, it it's designed to coerce, retrain, and uh, control you. So we're we're being taken back to the womb, the digital womb, to be re-educated and re-indoctrinated, which I've said, you know, we're we're a society of indoctrination and culturalization, and that's what they are doing. They're changing us for the new world order, and they're changing us one world government, and if we don't comply, we're going to be punished. This guy should be on digital currency. This guy should be on every single uh, talk show. In, in the country right now, because what he's saying is is so important. It's not the future. This is not the future. It's happening now. Now, a lot of people don't want to believe that this, ah, that would never be, never this. But you know what? If you can dream it, if you can imagine it, it will happen. There were movies, Eye in the Sky, the Golden Eye, or whatever it was called. But there mm-hmm. was also a TV series I forget the actor's name that was the 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 hitman in it, but he. Uh, oh, my phone's ringing. Nice, you know, and I turned it off. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it was called Person of Interest, and that was uh, an amazing show. Basically, the same thing. Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel. James Caviezel was the uh, yes, yeah, was the great star show, it. and you should see it because basically, uh, although they were good people in it, it is the technology that he's talking about. This is affecting everyone. This is not, you're going to hear him say, I believe, in the next segment, they're going to even uh, count and, and label all the uh, trees on the planet. You're saying trees? What? They, they can do so much digitally nowadays. They're going to know what's happening with everything, everywhere, at any time. When, when you step out of your house, they'll know. I have security cameras on my house. They're not private. They can, they're feeding information back to someone somewhere. They can well, tell you. They, tell they, you. Yeah. they can tell you when you're leaving your house. They can tell you who's visiting you. And in in New York City, my gosh, have you ever seen these news stories? There'll be a shooting on some street in New York, and all of a sudden they got video of it. It's because they have every street now covered with cameras. What do they say? Mm-hmm. We we have the most cameras per capita. 
in yes. the world, in the United States. Yeah. Uh, Everything is monitored, and that's Bill, that's scary. You're not alone. Who's paying for it? Who well, is paying are. for all this? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, you don't hear it being included in any of the bills that they're signing in Washington. Where is this money coming from? Got to be coming from somewhere, and it's got to be coming somehow from us. Well, no, it doesn't. It could be coming from uh, it could be coming from uh, a higher source, a, a deeper state, uh, and that's what that's what worries me. This isn't. Well, I don't think this is the government doing it, Bill. I don't. Well, if it's a deeper state that's doing it, they have already their tentacles into our government, so we're paying for in some way, shape, form, or fashion, whether we know it or not. Hey. Uh, the deep state. Who is the deep state? What is the deep state? Hey, WEF, Klaus Schwab, uh, George Soros, uh, Bill Gates. I mean, some of the richest men in the world who are who are they're uh, cheering about this new world order that they want the world to be, and it's not something they're planning for the future. I think they've already started. Well, if it's a new world order, it's a government. If it's a government, it has a form of. Uh, commerce to where it makes money so yeah, they, they could be paying for it but where is their money coming from because yeah you know you look at soros and schwab they have money you look at gates he has money but there has to be more money besides that coming in well you know it's funny they tell you to vote they tell you it's important to vote that your vote means anything and then when you vote for somebody that they don't like they put their own person in anyway and then they say mm -hmm. it was a fair election. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody's doing something somewhere. Uh, that, and uh, we're starting to see it. And, and you know, yeah. what they immediately do is when people talk about stuff like that, they say, oh, he's a conspiracy theorist, or he's nuts, or he's maybe if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. It's a freaking duck. Yeah, Exactly. Anyway, well, I, you know what? We, we'll we'll figure it out someday, but when we do, it'll be too late. I got a longer segment here. This is the final segment I'll play. We're going to play the whole thing. We'll have the link on our website. Right. Uh, will we have it on both uh, CRN America and uh, how will we do that, Bill? Where will they find it? Well, you know? it's another day is the easier one to put the link okay. up on. Okay. Uh, we'll try on CRN America. We got uh, we got some updating to do on that site, but. Uh, Okay. Guaranteed on itsanotherday.com. It, okay, that sounds great. Here's part three. It's the Internet of Eyes. There are cameras everywhere at intersections. All your automobiles are spy vehicles. They have cameras inside and outside. Um, tomorrow, by 2025, there'll be an average of at least 16 cameras in every new vehicle. And once you have autonomous driving vehicles, there'll be radar, LIDAR, as well as cameras. And some might even have sonars. Um, they have cameras in space looking down at the earth, counting trees um, and mapping digital IDs to trees. They have cameras in drones, license plate readers, cameras inside your car, cameras in bus stations, airports. So you're being tracked everywhere. Did you so just say internet wise? Did you just say mapping digital IDs to trees? Yeah, every tree and plant, uh, all of nature is going to be mapped digitally. And eventually we'll be getting pushed into the metaverse. Well, the, the, and the digital IDs with trees are going to be, sorry? 
Well, the, the, I, this is this is fascinating to me because what they're doing, Aman, is they're currently shifting, uh, you know, all humanitarian causes towards climate change and looking after what they call Mother Earth, according to Nancy mm-hmm. Pelosi, and and they're they're meeting this month for an interfaith meeting on Mount Sinai where they're announcing their new climate 10 commandments. It's it's unbelievable what these people are doing. And so That's right. that would mean if they are digitally mapping every every tree, every plant, then that that would also um, be able to impact your score should you interact with one of these trees or plants or harm them or, you know, emit too much carbon affecting this plant or so they say. Um, th- this would also impact your social credit score. There, there really is no escaping from this surveillance. In general, you're right. And uh, they're doing a lot with trees and nature. Uh, that's, a, that's a new presentation onto itself. Right. As I was saying, if you have uh, technology at home, you have eyes and ears at home. And so each of us is helping Big Brother if we have technologies from companies like these. If you use Google products, Samsung products, Facebook, Microsoft, or Zoom call, for instance, uh, you know, Apple watches, they're, they're one of the worst things to have. Um, you know, the ring cameras, uh, they track every device on your network, uh, its location, its movements all the time. And of course, if you have a ring camera, as the camera's generations improve, they are also identifying when you're coming home, when you're leaving, who's coming to visit you. So all the Tracking is going on and the scoring is going on even when you're at home. So I'll just make a switch to, you know, uh, these LED lights. Um, I started to notice in San Francisco two and a half years ago that a lot of the, you know, the low pressure sodium, the yellow halogen type of lights, they started getting replaced by these very bright uh, array LED lights. And yes. when I, have you seen that in Australia? You must everywhere. have seen it everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. And they're putting it up like literally in the denser population every 30, 35 yards apart. Um, it's really horrible. Uh, I live in Montana, which is relative, in northwest Montana, relatively um, you know, a lower population. But in the closer towns and cities, they have a lot of these and it's really putrid. Right, and these are called smart lights and smart poles, uh, which are an integral part of the smart city infrastructure. They all are wirelessly communicate with each other, and then there's fiber optic cables under the ground, uh, which are then connected to, you know, 5G towers and to other communication facilities nearby. So, and what they also do will they serve? They are basically, it's, it's an open air concentration camp for surveillance, as well as I'll show you, it'll be weaponized. These are, these are, these can be weaponized, these LED lights. And then they will also host all sorts of sensors in the name of climate change and global warming. They're gonna, uh, some of these lamps, I've seen specifications on top of the lights, they are drone charging stations. So in the future, Drones will be uh, used both individually as well as in swarms as the aerial police. And I've done, you know, there's a lot of information available on DARPA and other websites on these drone swarms and how they're going to be used against, uh, you know, enemies of the state. If you notice in America, there's been a lot of uh, talk about defunding the police in yep. two to three, uh, the last two and a half, three years with, you know, uh, it's, all, it's all these false flags that they keep coming up with and then they change the narrative on certain agendas. Yes. But, but one should know that this, I think the takeaway is 
these smart poles and smart lights are an integral part of this uh, smart city grid that they are building everywhere. They communicate with each other. They are wirelessly connected, as well as you know, some of them are uh, connected through cables underground. Some of them may also assist in autonomous driving vehicles in the future. Um, and they're putting smart cables under the roads and all. And so there's a lot of technology going inside the ground and on top through these lights right. um, in order to achieve a lot of the surveillance grid uh, integrated with 5G. I can't even begin to imagine how harmful all of the all of the signals um, that these things are emitting are. I mean, we already know how harmful 5G is. Imagine when we have all of these constantly emitting and communicating with each other. It's horrible. It's very harmful, as well as these blue LED lights, uh, you know, at the frequency or wavelength they are at, they're extremely harmful to the eyes. And in addition, uh, I've noticed that they don't even have diffusers on top of them. So you can't look up at these lights. They're designed to make humans look down. Wow. So by default, they're, you know, designed to really hurt your eyes. And then I'll show you another uh, slide on how they can be used directly as weapons. Amazing stuff. That's only a little bit of what he talks about. Uh, his name is Aman Javi, and he's a guy who is an engineer. He worked in the Silicon Valley for over a quarter of a century. He's a co-inventor of two cell phone camera apps. He's a smart man. He knows what he's talking about. He's lived in the environment where they create this stuff, and he's telling us, friends, all is not as, it's, as it appears to be. It's not just the light. Anymore. Do you remember just a few years ago, everybody was all upset about going 5G, can't yep. go yep. 5G. Now they were saying, oh, it's going to be harmful to your health and everything. Yep. In a roundabout way, it is harmful to your health because 5G and it's going to be more G than that very soon with all the, the technology that's going out there. But who cares? Because they're going to monitor us. Hell, you can get in trouble uh, if you step on a blade of grass or... Uh, Pass gas. Your social, well, your social, you your social credit score. I didn't even think they were keeping score in this. Will be affected. There's somebody who's tallying up how you're acting and adding and subtracting points to your social credit score. That's not supposed to be a real thing yet, but apparently, it is. Yeah. Now, what's the point system? And uh, you know, I'd like to know how to see my. Well, I don't know whether you have that right, or, Bill. I don't know that you have that right. Well, S it's somebody, about me. I should have the right to see my yeah, social credit yeah, score Bill, because you, at some point in time, you're talking old school, pal. You're talking old school. Yeah. This is a different, a different society that uh, they're talking about. One well, where we don't. Fence. We have given up. We've given up our rights. We've given up our uh, freedoms. And uh, for what? Security? That's what they're telling us. We've given up the Constitution. Just kind of, it's kind of tied to. But you know, Mike Pence, not a, not a fan of his. But he said uh, Congress has no right to his testimony, a statement that has outraged the lefty uh, Democrats. You know, and Mike's point is, is that uh, there's separation of powers under the Constitution. They're going. There is no separation of powers anymore. You have no rights. See, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about things changing. Hey, Bill, we've done it. We've done another show. Uh, we've run out of time. I know we could talk forever, but uh, oh, yeah. it's also the weekend, and you have yes, two, days, two days now to have your, uh, your leftovers. 
and to relax, maybe taking some football, uh, and to enjoy the holiday weekend. And well, if if Turkey gives you gas, just stay away from a tree because that could ruin your social credit score. My trees aren't official. Have yourself a wonderful <laughs> day, buddy. Stay out of trouble. <laughs> See ya. The Voice of Freedom, CRN America.